2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, July 15th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, And joining me on his podcast is Slash Film Newswriter and our resident box office analyst, Ryan Scott.
3: Happy Friday, everyone. How's it going? Uh, Peter, how are you? I feel like we haven't done this in a minute. Uh, I know. last one I, I... I did was with Ben, <laughs> so it's been a minute.
2: how did the one with ben go that you know there's very few episodes of this podcast that i have not listened to but i was away on a trip and i did not get to listen to that one so how did it go without i mean it
3: was me and ben it was terrible obviously
2: i mean obviously everything falls apart when i'm away so i'm i'm needed and i yeah i i get it (laughs) thank thank you ryan thank you of course Uh, (laughs) okay let's get into the news uh the first bit that i wanted to talk about is this news that nintendo is doubling down on animated films the creation of nintendo's picture company so this is a weird story a hollywood reporter was was one that broke it and basically nintendo is has filed in japan on thursday to acquire the visual content company dynamo pictures inc and once the deal closes uh, which is expected to happen in october dynamo will be renamed nintendo pictures company or co uh period and <laughs> will become owned by the company so According to Nintendo, Nintendo Pictures will quote focus on the development of visual content utilizing Nintendo IP. Uh, I'm guessing that's from the filing because that doesn't sound like any human would say those words, but it would probably be written in some document somewhere. Uh, so this is interesting to me because, okay, first of all, Dynamo is a CG animation company that specializes in animation for video games and TV. And also works with motion capture technology, and Nintendo has this deal with Illumination Entertainment to make the Super Mario Brothers franchise into uh, at least one movie, if not more. I know uh, Chris Melodandre uh, is, you know, on the board there, and it seems like they were going to have this like fruitful relationship. What do you think is going on here, Ryan, with them creating the Nintendo uh, Pictures Co?
3: Uh, There's nothing that says... So, like, Illumination is connected to Universal Pictures. There's nothing that says they still couldn't have some sort of co-partnership with Illumination or something. But I think the biggest thing, having been a video game fan for a lot of my life, is that Nintendo is very control-freaky. Like, they like to do everything themselves. They don't license their games to other platforms. They sort of forced a lot of people to buy a Switch just because they wanted to play Zelda and Mario Kart, which is fine because I love my Switch. But, like, you know... This is what Nintendo does. So to me, them having an animation house, like this this is sort of, to me, ring similar to like, you know, Blumhouse produces a movie. They have a first like deal with Universal Pictures. Universal says yes or no. That movie goes some other distribution platform if Universal doesn't want it. Nintendo could easily, this this Mario movie could work out very well. That could be a franchise for Universal Illumination. Future projects could be, you know, maybe they set up a first look deal somewhere with maybe it's Universal. Maybe they want to keep their options open. You know, I believe is it Hasbro right now where they're just kind of setting up projects all over town because they didn't want to lock themselves into one deal. Fair enough.
2: Do you think that uh, this new company is just going to be like, the development of these projects and then they'll find someone like illumination or I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like, that another... <laughs> is Pixar Disney. Well, I, I don't know. I don't even know what other animation companies they can go to, to like actually make it. Or do well, you think like, they're actually going to be making it themselves?
3: I think there, I think they're there, there's very strongly potential for an independent production element or a partnership element. You know what I mean? Like, that that's very... Because Illumination, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the Minions, The Rise of box office. They keep those budgets super low for movies that big. So, I don't know. Maybe Nintendo just wants to handle it another way. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they've seen... Here's the thing. We haven't seen a shred of anything from that Mario movie. Uh, Maybe they're happy with it. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But maybe they just want more control.
2: Hmm. Well, uh, yeah. This development coming at the point where they're probably finalizing some stuff for that movie uh, makes me curious. makes me curious, what is the future of Nintendo on the big screen? It definitely seems like Nintendo wants movies and possibly even TV shows.
3: That's my thing. I think it's time for Nintendo to do that, especially the fact that video game adaptations are kind of finally breaking the mold. Like the Resident Evil show for Netflix has really good reviews. I was kind of, I was, I didn't know what way that was going to go. People seemed... Yeah, people seem to be really loving it, like relative to how you might have expected something like that to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think now is the time for Nintendo to do it, you know, especially with how well Sonic's done and stuff like that. Like, So I think the time is right. And I think this, to me, this just reads as Nintendo doing what they always do and taking a bit of control over their own destiny.
2: Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right there. So I guess the big question is, what do you want to see Nintendo do next? This is an animation company, So I feel like The Legend of Zelda is like the next obvious franchise that they own that should be a movie. But should that be live action or should that be animated? And I feel like it should be live action.
3: Yeah, I feel like Zelda is one of the few ones they have that live action would work better. Um, I personally feel like there's got to be a take on Mario Kart that's like Fast and Furious meets Mad Max, you know, but like animated and fun um you know maybe like i don't know that that seems like it'd be fun and then like maybe you somehow build to a super smash brothers movies or something a uh, movie or something that might be kind of fun um yeah
2: yeah i don't I know donkey, i really donkey kong could be fun I don't, I don't know what you would even do with that mean it depends every country
3: Maybe ever since the Lego movie turned out to be as good as it was, I have no cynicism about, like, animated adaptations of certain properties. So, like, to me, it's all about if it's good or not. If, like, this Mario movie's good, then I have a lot more enthusiasm about whatever they could do. And Nintendo, rest assured, has a lot they can do stuff with. You know, you could do a Luigi's Mansion movie. You have all these things you could do. You could do a Pikmin movie. (laughs) That might be fun. You know, so, like, so there's all kinds of stuff. So it's really a matter of, you know... Them sort of being able to figure out the quality control element, and if they can do that, then they have a lot on the table.
2: Yeah, well, that first uh, Super Mario Brothers movie from Hollywood did it w- w- wasn't re- received very well, and I, I think that led to them being more cautious and licensing out their IP uh, to Hollywood studios. I almost wonder if there is a uh, an end game here to make something that's kind of like a Wreck It Ralph, where it is a you know Nintendo universe combination like uh a, a, a mul- uh not a multiverse a cinematic universe where the characters come together into one big movie in some way
3: super smash bros that's the that's that would be the that would oh, yeah. be the way to do that.
2: Oh totally. I didn't even think about that. So good, that's good that's point. what I'm saying. That
3: that could be that could be the end game.
2: Yeah yeah. Okay, let's uh let's get, get off of speculation. Let's talk about uh the black phone which has been a huge success at the box office. Tell us about that Ryan
3: yeah, uh, so the so here's the thing: um, horror and uh, particularly in 2021, horror and superheroes were really the only things that were looking like guaranteed successes. But particularly, franchise horror was doing well. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, that sort of stuff. Um, so when the Black Phone came out in the middle of summer a few weeks ago, it was unclear how that was going to do. Yes, it is based on a Joe Hill story, but From the audience perspective, it is more or less an original film, Um, not connected to a franchise. That's the key thing. Uh, All due respect to Joel Hill, who I love, he does not, his name does not put meat in seats, you know, all due respect, but, but, uh, but so the black phone has done exceedingly well, even with a high budget by Blumhouse standards at about $18 million. It has, as of this writing made $103.5 million worldwide, 66 of that coming domestic. Uh, it just hit VOD uh, yesterday. It was supposed to be today. Universal did it a bit early. Um, it's still got several big territories to open in internationally, such as uh, Australia and a couple of others, I believe. So it's still got a lot of room to run. You're probably looking at anywhere between a 125 and $140 million worldwide finish uh, for an $18 million budgeted movie. That is phenomenal. Good news for horror all around as original horror is doing well. Bodes well for Nope in a couple of weeks. Uh, should help Blumhouse and other studios be able to get other original horror stuff greenlit. And uh, it's just ultimately a good sign of the box office recovery. And, and also of note, which I wrote, uh, Blumhouse Productions, who you will probably know from The Purge, Sinister... Uh, the Paranormal Activity franchise, all these big horror movies. They've done stuff that isn't horror, but you know they produced Get Out. Uh, this movie has pushed them over the five billion dollar mark at the global box office, wow. uh, which is just a huge milestone. Especially when you consider that the combined budgets of all of their movies. And now, let's be clear: this is even looking at stuff on. You know, the numbers and four hundred and fifty four million dollars are the combined budgets for all of their movies against five billion at the box office. You're looking at like ten point five times your box office against your budget as a business overall. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, one of the best runs in Hollywood history, in my opinion. Incredible stuff.
2: I am surprised that Blumhouse has made that much money. Like, how much has the Star Wars movies? How much do they have for a combined box office? Like ten billion? Uh, well, you, you, so, so, I'm surprised to hear
3: you say you're surprised. Um, but, uh, but, um, I mean, I,
2: I, I know, Bumhouse makes a lot of money. Like, and it's, it's, I, I guess I, I more of along the lines. Of picture it in relation to how much they're made for. Five billion dollars seems like a lot of money.
3: Well, but again, so, so the thing is like, what you have to look at is Blumhouse is a volume business. You know, they've made a lot of movies and some of those movies like paranormal activity were made for like, you know, a million dollars or less, you know, or you have split, which was their highest grossing movie. Um, you know, that's an excellent example of, uh, split was made for $9 million and made 278 million worldwide. You know, I yeah. mean, that's just a, a phenomenal return on investment. So, you know, then every once in a while you have, you know, a movie like Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem, which made $1.5 at the box office. Its budget was reportedly $1.5 It probably did a lot better on, you know, over the life of, you know, on DVD, Blu-ray, VOD, what have you. But that's their business model. You make things affordably so you have options, you know, <laughs> and, and they've done extremely well with that. So you know that's kind of to me the, that's to me the the and, and not to say they haven't had you know flops. I mean, you know not that there was necessarily that movie's fault, but the hunt that movie that came out just before COVID hit, you know that made 18 million against uh, or 12 million against an 18 million dollar budget. You know, eh, you know that. But but I mean you know their 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 misses are very few and far between. Uh, you know because they they keep it they keep the budgets low and. You know, and then that allows for a lot of a uh, lot of opportunity, and I and I think um you know they've given filmmakers like Jordan Peele an avenue. They helped revive the career of M Night Shyamalan. Um, they gave you know see uh Scott Derrickson a, 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 and see Robert Cargill a real boost. I mean, you know these are filmmaker friendly people. Uh, Jason Blum is very filmmaker friendly, and you know I think it's good. I think it's a good thing.
2: How how is the success of the Black Phone? good news for horror in general
3: well again i think the big thing is because what we've seen it throughout uh covid is that again horror's done very well like you had scream made 140 million dollars um you know halloween kills made 131 million dollars
2: franchises candy
3: man franchises a lot of franchises original stuff you know and again i look i love malignant i want malignant to exist i'm thrilled it exists Malignant made $35 million against a $40 million budget, even being connected to a guy like James Wan. X, uh, Ty West, again, I loved X came out earlier this year, made $14 million, you know, like, you know, I would argue that the black phone looked much more commercial from the start. Um, I, I, there was a lot, oh, that, sure. movie, that movie had a lot going for it, but I thought X certainly looked more commercial than $14 million. you know, so, so, uh, you know, it was hard to say, but, uh, but yeah, so I think this is very good for the notion of people who are not, who want to see more than just franchise stuff, you know, then you put your money where your mouth is when something original comes out, the reviews are good. You, you put your money where your mouth is, you go see that movie. And so the fact that this did very well against stiff competition, I think it signals to studios that you know this is still a viable genre and it doesn't just have to be the same five slasher franchises we're trying to do over and over again so you know that's that's good looking forward
2: yeah well let's look ahead to this weekend's releases there's i think three of wide releases coming out today uh, none of which are all that exciting to me in particular ryan uh are you excited for any one of these
3: uh I can I think I can say this. Uh <laughs> I I I saw where the Crawdad sang. Okay. Um it is pretty mixed on critically on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh I understand there's a bit of drama with the author and some things she might have been connected to. I'm looking at this purely as a movie. Um I think I enjoyed it a lot more than people in our profession would. Um <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say about it i i enjoyed it uh it, it's a little it's very it basically is like a very expensive lifetime movie but like a but like a but like one with good acting in it uh it, on some level like like uh daisy edgar jones the lead i think does a nice job and um uh i don't know i look i'm not saying it blew my mind or anything but i liked it um
2: and by the so way this is the movie that is based on a book and it's about a girl who is abandoned uh when she was young and raised by raised in like the marshlands of North Carolina and uh actually what is it about actually I don't even know I much mean, that's about that's
3: more or less her parents uh, she kind of gets abandoned by her parents in the in the in and her sort of marshy home and uh, she ends up she ends up being left to fend for herself growing up from I believe like the age of like you know nine through 18 or whatever and a uh a crime happens and she ends up getting pinned for it and then you sort of deal with parallel stories of like the trial relating to that crime and and sort of digging into her past and stuff um it's definitely one of those things where it goes and it's like by the end of the movie i had the oh damn like where i was like oh it was a little surprising but but like you know it's Uh, very much seems like the kind of movie your mom might enjoy, like (laughs) people that are not on the internet at all would go see, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it look so that looks like it's going to do around 16 million this week on the high end, 10 on the low end. Um, you know, budget was
2: 43.7. So that does not, I was
3: just about to out, man, that's a lot. (laughs) I didn't realize (laughs) they spent that much. I, well, okay. It didn't look like a $43 million movie. I'll say that much. Wow. how did that happen
2: (laughs) uh speaking of a lot of money i was gonna say speaking of movies that my mom would go see or moms everywhere would go see i feel like mrs harris goes to paris fits that bill
3: yeah i don't really know anything about this other than its focus (laughs) features and and focus has had a really kind of tough run recently i kind of feel like focus is in trouble honestly and uh this isn't looking, you know, they've, they've got a, I think they're going in a little under a thousand theaters and I think the tracking's only around a million on it. Eh, you know? eh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, you know, I don't know how these things do on VOD later or whatever, but I, uh, focus hasn't had a hit in a minute. And, um, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I think focus was really good at doing like adult skewing stuff and, I don't know how much longer they can survive on on scraps. So,
2: I mean, this doesn't look like it was cost that much. I mean, it is a period film, so I mean, it must have cost something. I yeah. can't see a oh, thirteen million dollar budget is what I'm seeing. On, on yeah, because anytime search. you
3: do period stuff, I mean, you're pretty much costumes, and you're gonna have a hard time making a period movie under ten mil. So, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, a million dollar opening weekend on a ten million dollar movie ain't great, or a thirteen million dollar <laughs> movie, you know. So again, now that's that's money you could theoretically make up on VOD and streaming, but it's certainly not going to be a hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that that's that's not you know that's not what you're hoping for as a studio. So.
2: And the other movie coming out this weekend is *Pause of Fury: The Legend of Hank*, which to me sounds like a title of a sequel of an animated movie, but turns out is actually just the first one. Um, Yeah, this is
3: actually, I just found out, this is actually, was originally started out as kind of a parody of Blazing Saddles, but like kid-friendly, and uh, it had a different title originally, and uh, this is probably going to be Paramount's first miss of the entire year. Uh, It's kind of looking at the upper end of $10 it might do a little less. Um, Again, animated movies are kind of inherently expensive, so... uh...
2: This one only the button... cost them forty five million. Right, which but is, that's I mean, about as that's yeah. about
3: as cheap as you can do one. Yeah. I mean you really can't you you can't really do feature length animation cheaper than that. So um yeah, I don't know. I mean that's again, that's not really a number you like to see. Uh you know. So <laughs> it's gonna be a mixed bag of a weekend for sure.
2: So basically people are gonna be going to see Top Gun again, sounds like <laughs>
3: Top Gun, Thor, Minions, you know, those are the, you know, although it looks like where the crawdads saying might actually do better than Top Gun this weekend. So that depending on how that goes. So, you know, um, that one, that one looks like the only one that if there's any sort of international play for it, it might be able to make some money maybe, but we'll see.
2: I don't know. It it really seems like we're at the point. Midsummer is usually more exciting than this. I I know next week we have Jordan Peele's Nope, and that should be interesting. Uh, But yeah,
3: that's tracking pretty good. I think that's tracking between forty-five and sixty-five right now, um, which should be really good. Uh, But also, it's weird. I think we don't really have another big franchise film for the rest of the summer. Uh, I think. um, I think. I think this summer is pretty front-loaded. I think wow. so. I think this summer was pretty front-loaded because we got Nope. Well, I guess if you can't, so DC League of Super Pets the following week. Uh, yeah. And then Bullet Train. <laughs> and then that's, yeah, so that's pretty much. Um, although I got to tell you, I'm looking, not not to get way off topic here. I am so looking forward to Beast on August 19th, that Idris Elba versus the Lion movie. Oh, give that to me. <laughs> uh, I am I am ready for that. But yeah, I mean no no real franchise fare for the next few weeks.
2: So you you're saying Nope is trending towards uh tracking towards what at this point?
3: Uh I think so. So the folks at Box Office Pro tend to do yeah. more long-range tracking. Uh they, yeah. they have it at between 45 and 65 million. So uh that would be good. That would be a good start. That'd be very good.
2: Yeah, I mean you look at what, get out did 175 domestically. Yeah, and it started with thirty
3: two. Did started with thirty two million and had incredible holds. So that's how good. But then US was extremely front loaded. I think it did seventy two million opening weekend. Opening weekend. So if Nope falls between those two, and depending on how the reviews go, you know that's pretty good. Yeah,
2: I'm wondering if people. I don't know. I still don't know what Nope is. Is it a UFO movie? Is it about aliens, or is it something else? And I'm wondering if is that going to drive people to the theater to see it, to find out, or is that going to scare people away because they don't quite understand what the movie is?
3: Um, I think Jordan Peele at this point, if you look yeah. at how much money us made, I think <laughs> that like it made almost identical what Get Out made domestically. Like I a think- brand name. He's, that's, he became – he cemented himself as a brand name. He cemented himself as a Quentin Tarantino kind of guy where that name will sell a movie. And until he delivers, like, several stinkers in a row, he's going to keep putting butts in seats. And especially because Jordan Peele's very good at making his movies for a reasonable amount of money. So, you know, he's not asking the world.
2: Yeah. The, the amazing thing about this uh, – I'm not sure if you've been following this – but at Universal Studios Hollywood, they actually – transferred the set of Jupiter claim from the movie onto the tram tour. So he now becomes (laughs) universal is basically putting him between Steven Spielberg uh, and Peter Jackson in directors that they've given part of their tram tour to. And this is the first time I think in history that they're giving part of the tram tour to someone before the movie even comes out. And we don't even know if it's a hit or not. (laughs)
3: uh that to me signals i will say when i saw that um i that to me signaled a tremendous amount of confidence in the movie um i i get the sense they really think this one's gonna work
2: yeah yeah for sure okay anyways i hope everybody has a good weekend you can find more of all our stories slash them.com you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand